Hello and welcome. My name is Katie Doyle, founder of Bloom Burst and Whole Body Wellness Entrepreneur. Welcome to Raw, Real, and Ready to Heal, a podcast that was created for you to feature unfiltered conversations with extraordinary people. I created this podcast for the human that is multifaceted, that is striving to live their healthiest and happiest life, all while embracing all of life's beauty and hardships. This is a safe space for us to explore what it means to live life to its fullest while navigating through all of the ups and downs. There is no space here for toxic positivity. We are not promoting a culture of good vibes only. We are embracing all that life serves up to us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the breathtakingly beautiful. Whole body wellness begins from the inside out and the topics and guests on this podcast will help you on your wellness journey. We will cover a wide variety of subject matters and interests. I believe that to live our best life, we have to live a true life. We don't push away the bad and only embrace the easy and good. We embrace it all. We talk about it all and we come together to create connection and community because there is strength in honoring the truth. There is strength in being vulnerable and in shining light on the hard stuff. I believe that laughter is truly medicine. Good friends are family. Life is too short to not pursue your passions. And the darkest moments in your life are springboards for greatness. In episode one, we dive in deep. I welcome our guest, Alyssa Plancher, my close friend of over 12 years. In fact, she's more like a sister. We have navigated through some of our darkest times together, and of course, some of our best. We have supported each other, talking our way and laughing our way through it all. In our first episode, we discussed the importance of death, and we also discussed the importance of openly speaking about the process of dying and how we want to remove the taboo of speaking about death in our society. And we also dive into how to support others through their journey, how the experience of losing our parents has affected us and ultimately shaped us to be the women that we are today. So I invite you to listen without judgment, to come to this podcast with an open mind and an open heart. I acknowledge that this is certainly a tough conversation, but also a necessary one. I'm sending you so much love, light, and abundance. Let's get started. Episode one. So welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode one of Raw, Real, and Ready to Heal. My name is Katie Doyle. I am the founder of Bloom Burst, a whole body wellness company. And with me today, I have Alyssa Plancher, one of my dear friends, and so on today's episode, we're just going to get pretty deep pretty quickly. Um, our, our topic today is the importance of death in our society and how to support others through their journey. And there's a lot involved in that, that we probably will only touch on the surface almost of, uh, for the next hour. But um, hopefully the, this, this topic and this podcast will help support people, help support people through real life situations and through situations that aren't always easy or light or fun, but it's certainly real life. Um, so Alyssa, with that being said, 
Anything that you would like to to say as we begin, um, why you feel like this topic is important? I can certainly answer that question too, but... Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Katie. I'm so excited to be here uh, today. So, um, you know, not that I have this whole history of education and death and dying, but I've experienced a lot of loss in life. And, um, you know, there's always this weird unknown of how to handle the loss or when somebody is actively dying, how to kind of continue on. And then also how to be that support with people as they are um, grieving the loss of a loved one. And sometimes there's that kind of awkwardness that naturally occurs where it's like, well, what do you even say to somebody? Right. And did I say the right thing or whatnot? And, you know, after having lost a lot of people, sometimes I just am so raw where I'm like, well, this sucks, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so sorry. Like this whole thing sucks because what else do you say? I mean, I get tired of saying, I'm so sorry for your loss and whether or not it was received well, I am not sure, but, um, I guess that's just as raw as it gets because, you know, going through that type of loss is never a good feeling for Mm -hmm. anyone. So, um, yeah, so hopefully we can kind of unpack some of that stuff today and, uh, we'll talk about our experiences and, uh, yeah. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Those thoughts, because everything you said is is definitely true, right? There's Mm -hmm. never really any eloquent way that I have found to address people losing their loved ones. It's hard. And even after my experience, I was always very awkward with talking to people about death, especially when they lost someone. It was so, when it was so fresh, Mm -hmm. I always just felt like a deer in the headlights. Like I didn't want to say the wrong thing. So I just didn't say anything at all, which Mm -hmm. I'm going to say right now, that's the wrong thing to do. Not that there's a right or a wrong in every situation because there certainly is not. But, um, I would just freeze when I was around people and I, cause I just knew how sad they must be and how heavy it must be. And there's nothing you could say to take away that grief, but you can certainly say things like, yeah, it just sucks because yeah. it does suck. Right. Yeah. So just being raw and real and really just being, just being there for people is, is so important. And we'll get into that more in a little bit. Um, so yeah, getting into this, into this topic, you know, we really want these, these conversations to be unfiltered and mm-hmm. to be candid and to be a place that people can come to because these are real life situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this first episode of this podcast is pretty, um, people might view it as, as dark. I just think it's honoring that life is multi-layered and there's really awesome times that are just filled with love and light and happiness and laughter and good health and wealth and blah, 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 all the good stuff. But then there's so much of life that's, that's heavy and dark and sad and deals with loss, whether it's, you know, losing people you love or losing Mm -hmm. wealth or losing a pet, I mean, a pet, anything, right? Like we lose a lot of stuff as we move through life, um, businesses and, and you know, Katie, I think to your point of, you know, your passion and health and wellness, that when people don't deal with the grief Mm -hmm. and they don't deal with the loss and the trauma that builds up and you can only be as healthy as your mind is. And so being able to kind of honor that pain because, you know, loss can be a very physical pain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being able to honor that and kind of walk through those motions and feel that, 
you know, really results in the ability to be healthy and, you know, maintain your own wellness during really trying times. And, um, yeah, so I think that this just really falls very nicely into what you're passionate about. Uh, Thank you for that. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely keeping us on track, but you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Um, wellness is, first of all, wellness is a journey. There's, there's no end destination and you know, until we die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then after that, who knows? Um, but it's a lifelong journey to, to be your happiest and healthiest along this journey. It requires a lot of work every day and you have to work through all the hard stuff and there's always going to be hard stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. that's just a fact of life. So, Oh man, let's dive into some, some, some conversation about death. Let's do it. Well, and it doesn't have to be so sad and horrible. Well, it is sad and horrible, but, but this moment that we are in, it doesn't have to be so sad and horrible to talk about it. But if anyone's listening to this and they have just lost a loved one, uh, it is a point in time where you, it is feeling really sad and horrible and dark and deep. And we can acknowledge that because we both have really personal experiences with death. uh, And we'll get into that as well, but just know that time does help. It does help with grief. That is maybe one of the only things that is tried and true because the journey is so specific and unique to who you are and what you've been through, what your loved Mm -hmm. one went through that there's no roadmap for any situation. It's also very different. The way someone died, the way they handled it, Mm -hmm. um, the instructions they left or didn't leave for you. Mm -hmm. Um, there's so many, there's so many layers to, to, to that. So that all plays into it. Um, and letting yourself really honor that pain, mm -hmm. you know, and feel that, going through the process, you know, helps, helps the process move forward. Yeah. You know, it keeps it from becoming stagnant and packed away, which creates other issues. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's dive in. Let's, let's dive do in. it. Let's do it. So the title of this, and I said this earlier, what is the importance of death in our society and how to support others through the journey? Um, another important part, part of this, I think is how can you, when it's a death that is more drawn out, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that know their death is inevitable and they have to face that and you have to face it with them. So like cancer mm-hmm. or other chronic illnesses or diseases. And then there's also sudden, sudden death and sure. how you deal with that, which you unfortunately have experience with both of those circumstances. So there's, that is one piece, you know, how to, how to walk through the death with a loved one, which is excruciating, mm-hmm. but necessary. Uh, and there's also dealing with the aftermath of grief and loss. That's a part of it all. And then how can this experience shape us to become better humans? Because death is a teacher, right? Sure. It teaches us a lot of things about ourselves, about people around us, about the person we lost. Um, and we can view it, you know, from some, I don't want to say positive, but there's some silver linings, right? Cause it does help us, I think, to be better people, more empathetic people. Sure. Absolutely. And to have you know, for people who choose to, to look at it as kind of the next journey. Yep. And, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things I experienced that was so challenging was maybe losing somebody before they're physically gone. Mm -hmm. And so, and you may have experienced that too. So when my mom, um, was very sick for five years with ovarian cancer, 
she, you know, we, we had all of these stop and go, right? Like, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop chemo. Okay. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stop doing this. And she was very sick and had an ostomy bag and, you know, part of her colon removed. And, um, it was just a very big challenge. So she was really just existing. She Mm -hmm. was kind of suffering and especially toward the end where, um, you're just, you're, it's so scary to not know the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, and that you've already lost that person. Um, and how to kind of, Oh, who's doing a pause that it's rich. Oh, hi rich. So, you know, the idea of trying to figure out, um, a, how to say goodbye, but to manage your grief that this person isn't the person that you remember them being already and you haven't even lost them. And to walk through this experience, you know, it was so painful. And um, at that point in time, I was getting ready to get married. And um, I remember my mom's hospice nurse, uh, you know, I sat down with her. I said, well, what do I do? Because I had moved my wedding up thinking, you know, I wanted her to be there. And the hospice nurse said, you know what? You just keep planning as if everything's totally normal. And it's like, well, how do you plan for things that ever, you know, like everything's totally normal and this person's like suffering and dying. Um, and so I did. And so, you know, unfortunately she didn't make it. She died two weeks before I got married. Um, and, but it was also a time, uh, that allowed me to heal a little bit. Like I, I had my uh, family there to support me at the wedding, mm-hmm. um, and friends that were cheering me on. And, you know, there was kind of that silver lining, like you're talking about, like it was so raw and so painful. Um, but to have people around me and to be joyous, um, during such a sh- sad time was really, really helpful. Um, but I would say, you know, the process itself, and I don't know, do we want to dive into the process now of, of dying or do we want to kind of save that? Um, uh, we can, yeah, let's just, let's dive into it. Let's go. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, just for frame of reference, I guess on my end, my dad died instantly. He had a heart attack when I was 19 and then my mom died when I was 30 Um, after a long bout of, you know, cancer. And so I've kind of seen, seen both sides of the coin and, uh, you know, while the instantaneous was very painful and you think about like, what did they think about? Did their life flash before their eyes? Were they in pain? Were they scared? Could they, you know, what was that like for them and the fear that goes into it? And it's so much of that fear of the unknown, Mm. like when you're going through that whole process, Um, but with my mom, she, I I always told her to tell me when she was ready, like in whatever capacity. And she was really sick and heavily medicated. And one day I talked to her and she said, Oh, you're getting married this week. And I said, no, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. And she was so certain. I said, okay, something's going on. And I think that she was trying to tell me that it was time for me to come home And so I, I flew back. I lived in Colorado at the time and I flew back to Florida and my aunt and I sat with my mom at hospice, um, at the facility for about a week. And, um, the first night that I got there, when I flew in from Colorado, I went right there. 
the first night I got there, we had turned off the lights and everything. And she says, Lissy, Lissy, look, it's so beautiful. And it was pitch black in the room. Hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was the heavy medication because she was on morphine. Yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, when your body's actively dying, it does funny it does things, things, right? It does things to help you die. Yeah. It's smart. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so she kept saying, oh, this is so beautiful. You oh. see all these colors. And it's like, okay, mom, you know, that's sure. Um, you know, whatever you can do to comfort that person. Yeah. And, um, you know, we went through this process and every, and she kept asking for my brother and my brother drove down from Georgia eventually, but, um, it was about a week long and her body went septic and because Mm. I think the, um, tumor burst and there were a few days where she just, her body was just shutting down Mm -hmm. and, um, it was just so difficult to see, but on the flip side, you know, when you see somebody suffering and just really suffering, I mean, they, they're a prisoner of their home. They can't really go out. They can't do anything. They don't have the capacity to do things they enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay. Um, like you want them to be free. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the last days, and I'm not a very, uh, I'm not a religious person at all. I'm more spiritual, but one of the last days, you know, my mom hadn't opened her eyes in days and all of a sudden, you know, the, the nurses were moving her from side to side and I was standing there and she opened her eyes and she Mm. looked at me and she said, I love you. And then she closed her eyes Mm. and that was it. And then it was another like day and a half that her body kept shutting down Mm. and, um, man, it was just so hard. I, you know, my aunt Lil and I ate key lime pie Mm -hmm. in the kitchen of the hospice facility at like 5am. Yeah. That's the kind of shit you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're not really, nothing is, Mm. nothing is normal. You don't have any concept of like normalcy when this is, this is going on, you know? So yeah, you eat key lime pie at 5 a.m. I mean, who gives a shit? (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're just surviving. You're making it, Yeah, you know? And, um, like the end of somebody suffering Mm -hmm. and, you know, and finally, you know, my brother made it down and his wife and my stepdad and we all gathered in her room and watched the dolphins game and ate pizza. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's weird. You know, like I, I don't pray, but I said, you know, why don't we stand in a circle and hold hands and Mm -hmm. send some prayers her way. And it's nothing that I do. I mean, I, you know, it's like if I'm on an airplane and I think it's, there's too much turbulence, I might say, okay, God, are you there? You know, but I don't, (laughs) I don't say that. Now I need you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's uh, but yeah, I mean, that week I, it was so spiritual. I think it was one of the more enlightening experiences I've ever had. And just to see the whole body, you know, the cellular activity where it's like, Oh, okay. Everything's just starting to shut down Mm -hmm. and that's it. And they, they have no capacity. Like their, their brain is just barely functioning. Everything is just kind of slowing down to that grinding halt Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody had left. We were watching the Dolphins game. My stepdad left and my brother and his wife. And 
my aunt and I were staying with my mom and I was laying in the bed next to her. Um, and all of a sudden her breathing changed Mm. and it was one last breath in. Mm. And, um, I'll tell you, I mean, that rocked me because I think, you know, in my mind, I thought, so she takes a breath out Mm -hmm. somewhere else in another realm and in another uh, life form, uh, you know, it's like, that's the only explanation for me is that that's it. Like the breath in and, and the breathing change. And all of a sudden, like that was just it. And it was like this finality mm-hmm. that I had never experienced. And all I can, all, all I could envision was it's just a whole nother like galaxy. Like she, she takes this breath in and then she wakes up in like this green pasture. I mean, not to sound like so unrealistic, but like, <laughs> well, we don't know, you know, like we don't know. you wake up yeah. and you're in this other life. Mm-hmm. And it's a, this life cycle, like the samsara, you mm-hmm. know, like this life cycle where you don't, your energy just doesn't stop. Like your form is gone, but your energy is there. And I mean, and I felt her and I still feel her presence. Um, so, I mean, it was as so hard and sad as it was to let go. Mm. It was such a life-changing experience that also kind of like, it's not that it made it less painful, but it was almost a sense of comfort. Like the wrinkles on her forehead from her pain didn't exist anymore. Like, and I can envision her just like being free. I know you're going to make me cry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty great. No, well, it's hard. It's just like a, it's a hard process, but it's what, so to your point where you said like the spirituality piece, because neither one of you, neither one of us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you are, is particularly religious. I mean, we're not religious people, right? Mm-hmm. I'm certainly very spiritual. I was raised Catholic and I'll talk about my father's death in a moment. And there was a lot of Catholic rituals around that because he wanted that. Mm-hmm. And that's good. I mean, everyone has to do what they want to do. Sure. Um, but spirituality is, is a, is, is still very much connecting you to something bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Something bigger than ourselves. Um, and, and I, I always honor that and honor that through his death, but, um, it certainly is a spiritual experience. I mean, I don't think there's anything more spiritual on this that we experience as human beings collectively than death. What, and what's so interesting and one of the reasons why I guess I felt so called I feel called to have these conversations, whether it's a podcast or just in real life with you, as we've had many times mm-hmm. and I've had with many other people is that everyone wants to act like death doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Particularly in our Western society. Yeah. It's um, too scary. It's the only thing that I know of that every single human being will experience mm-hmm. because in, in birth, but being birthed as a baby, not actually giving birth. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you think about all of the support, although we're greatly lacking here as well, but we won't get into that. Like all the support that women get when they're pregnant and when they give birth, there's doulas, there's um, midwives, there's doctors, there's hospitals, there's birthing centers. There's so many things, right. Mm -hmm. To support your journey as, and look, again, I know there's still 
things that are lacking when it comes to that, but sure. there's a, still a lot of resources and it's all very joyful for the most part. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get that. Yeah. But being human is so multi-layered and it's just not about always being joyful. It can't be, it doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and I think we have just pushed off the things that feel hard or heavy or, or sad and death is sad and it's hard and it's heavy. And it's like you had said before, it's very much the unknown because none of us know what happens afterwards. And it scares the shit out of all of us. Right. Yeah. Like it's, I will be the first to admit, it scares me like yeah. it does, but I have peace knowing that every single human being that has ever existed and will exist, we will all die. Yes. And what if the ultimate joke is that dying is the best part of it all and being yeah. alive is the hardest, yeah. right? It's the rebirth. Right. And I do, sure. I actually do think that that's actually true. And that's I don't true. know what that looks like mm -hmm. afterwards. Right. Like yeah. you said, what does that look like? Yeah. But I do believe that it is releasing us into something bigger and better, mm. or just something different and better. Sure. But yeah, why I felt so called to have this conversation publicly, um, is people get really freaked out by it. Mm -hmm. They don't, I mean, again, I'll be the first to admit I, I it used to freak me out. So like, I didn't know how to handle people mm -hmm. and not that I didn't have the empathy because I'm super empathetic or compassion. It's just like, what do you say to someone? You know, when you yeah. know, they're just like, they're just, they're gutted. Like their whole entire life is flipped upside down, but sometimes you don't even have to say anything. You just have to right. be there, like just be there right? Absolutely. or just show up or write a card and send food and, sh and just show up, yes. just show up. Right. Cause that's what you need in that moment. Like Absolutely. You know, I don't, I never needed, there was no words you could say to me to make me feel better. Right. Nothing. I mean, yeah. look, some people are more eloquent with it. Um, and there are people that I will say they, 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 they come with the right words, the right time. And they're very comforting and, and, and all that. And it's very graceful, yeah. but I never needed any of that. Like I just needed people to be there. Sure. But then the other piece is like, once your person dies or whoever you have lost the, the grief afterwards is a journey that is a whole, like a whole other podcast, right? Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and we and, could talk about that too. And having those relationships and people, like you said, it's not, it's always nice where people give love and they show up in those difficult times, like sitting Shiva, for instance, right. like we said Shiva, Yeah. but it's all the time after. And, you know, one thing that always resonates with me is my stepdad always says, um, it's about how the person made you feel Yeah, that's irreplaceable. Yeah. So it's not, you know, sure. It's the loss of that person and you, you wish you could hug them again and you wish, you know, and, and this also goes back to like losing somebody before they're actually gone. Like, so people who are suffering with like dementia or Alzheimer's yeah. or other disabilities that, um, kind of like change the person's, uh, capacity to right. have their daily living skills or yeah. to, um, I mean, just anything, you know, to, to do things that they enjoy, but yeah, to just, to not, I mean, that is just, that's the hardest is mm -hmm. how that person made you feel. You're never going to be able to replicate that. No. And no. so, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff is really hard. And I think that, you know, for me, I went to like a support group, um, and it was no cost. It was just like through, um, like a local support group. I lived in Boulder, Colorado at that time. And, uh, you know, everybody's story is so different. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like the trauma that I had losing my dad 
um, where I would like cry in my Hebrew class in college because I just didn't know how to cope. Yeah. Like I didn't have the skills to cope with that type of loss. You know, I was 19. I was, I had just seen him and I was like, Oh, my dad doesn't understand me. He doesn't get anything. Right. And, sure. Um, you know, he called me that morning and I didn't get to the phone and Ugh, that's hard. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, at the time we had like this really weird family dynamic and it was a weird relationship with some of my family and then he died. And, you know, thankfully I, I have these relationships like independent of that, uh, that loss. Um, and I'm so grateful for that, but you know, at that time you're young and you don't know anything and, and you don't have those coping mechanisms and being an older woman now, I don't want to say older woman, but you know, I'm 39, 20 years later. Sure. Yeah. yeah 20 years later. That's right. My dad, um, we just hit his 20 year anniversary this year of his death. That's crazy. Yeah, totally. And just to think back on that and how traumatic that was and, um, and how I didn't know how to handle it. And then with my mom, it was like, the pain was so sharp because I couldn't stop remembering. I couldn't stop just thinking about that whole week and, and the process and that moment of her breath changing and her last breath and holding her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally was holding her as she yeah. died and you know, and I, and I play things off now, like, oh, it's not a big deal, you know, because I think, and you know, having, you've lost a parent and we've lost, you know, aunts and uncles and co- cousins. Well, for me, you know, I have, I mean, I feel like, um, it just is what it is. It's part of life. But like you said, nobody really talks about it and it has this weird kind of hidden, like hush, hush about it. Um, it's kind of like getting older, right? Like, oh, nobody wants to talk about it. Right, right. Right? Because it's never going to happen. Yeah. But never I, happened to me. <laughs> but there's so much honor. There, like that's the thing. Yeah, like, that's the thing is when you... It's so weird because, you know me, like, I'll just talk about it. Yeah. I mean, I just... I'll just talk about it. And there's people in my life that just, they're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like, someone asked me once, oh, do you think about your dad often? Like... And they weren't being mean. They were being nice. They were like, oh, I think maybe it was Father's Day. Oh, you know, did you think about your dad all day? And I I was like, I think about my dad every day. Sure. I mean, first of all, he's only been gone two and a half years. So it's still really fresh. Yeah. But also, I don't think, and there's not one person I know that has lost someone so close, so impactful. Like you only Mm -hmm. ever have one, one father, right? Now Mm -hmm. look, my father was my biological father. There's plenty of people that have stepfathers that are amazing to them and, or that raised them or or whatever the case may be, right? There's all these non-traditional families, but my family, I I only ever had one dad, right? Right. So it's like, I had one dad who raised me my entire life and he died mm-hmm. super young, almost 63. Well, it right. It's tragic. Pretty, yeah. It was tragic. Very, like traumatic yeah. process. Too. Right. So like, yeah, I think about it. I think about him all the time in good ways. Like yeah. you said, I feel his presence. Like there'll be times I'm thinking something just happened yesterday. I'm thinking something very specific to him and a song will play. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, there he is. Because my dad was so into his music. It's not, you know, there's some people that just aren't that into music. They're just not. It's who they are. It's, it's great, right? Mm-hmm. But he was super into his music. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize until he died that so many songs, and I don't even want to say trigger, because of course, as, you know, shortly after someone passes, 
everything could trigger you, mm-hmm. right? You're just oh, so, yeah. you're so raw. And yeah. I mean, I can't even ex- explain the, the levels of grief that you feel, but, um, the emotions are so raw. But then as time passes, there won't be as many triggers, right? Because time does help to soften things and heal things. Sure. And you, you, like you said, you find ways to cope and hopefully they're healthy things and mm-hmm. you can use those tools to, 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 to move past like that deep stage of grief, but while still honoring your person, because I don't think you just stop grieving. I think grieving mm-hmm. is part of loss you and manage it, it. you just manage, yeah, it, manage it. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, to me, part of losing or d- death shouldn't be so taboo because I'll bring my dad up sometimes and there's people, or I want to talk about or anyone else I lost. Like mm-hmm. we recently lost a mutual friend mm-hmm. and sometimes I just want to remember that person. Yes. Or I want to say like, I'm really sad, you yeah. know, and some people don't want to talk about it. And, yeah. and I, and I don't want to push people to have to have these horrible, what they feel are horrible conversations. I don't think they should be horrible. I think they should be okay to talk about. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's like, how you keep their memory alive. Is yeah. You remember these things. And even if it's like the good, bad or the ugly, yep. you know, and it's a reminder that we're not perfect Mm-mm. and there's always going to be, you know, a story or two about how we did something we shouldn't have or whatever. But, you know, I think part of life is the fact that like we have this capacity to love and mm-hmm. we can remember these people and we can share their stories and keep them alive yeah. you know, through our memories. And, you know, in Judaism and we always say like, may their memory be a blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, for me, take it so seriously like my friendships and my relationships. Like I, I love, I love my people. Mm-hmm. I tell people that I love them and I care about them. And, you know, sometimes it's probably like smothering, I'm sure, which is fine <laughs> uh, because that's who I am. But I also have experienced the, you know, the situation where you can't tell somebody you love them anymore and you can't maintain that relationship because that person isn't in the, they're not with us. No. And so I am very like upfront and outspoken, you know, to people that I care about. And I think it's because I get afraid that, you know, is this, what if it's the last time and I want my people to know how much I loved them and how much I cared for them. And no matter what, like, I'm always going to talk about them and I'm always going to share the stories. And, um, and I think like, that's what makes life so special is like allowing ourselves to speak and to share, you know, um, else if we don't talk about them, then where do they go? Right. Exactly. And why are we not talking about the people that we loved and lost? I mean, why I think it comes from, I truly think it comes from fear. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from people not wanting to to face some realities of about maybe their own feelings around death. And I mean, it's certainly sure. every death has its own circumstances. And um, I think there's some people that just do. They, it's like just push it under the rug. Let's move on. Yeah, everyone dies someday. Oh, oh well, who cares? Mm-hmm. Let's not ruminate on it. And I, I mean, okay, I, I get it, but also. I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. I don't, I think like you said, it's so important to keep people's memories alive. Mm-hmm. Um, f- 
for the, the pe- for the people that we lost and for the people around us that maybe never got to meet them, like grandchildren or, Absolutely. or, or spouses, right? Like yeah. you're married to someone that never met your father because he, he died too young or whatever right. the circumstances may be. Right. Like, and then also too, again, it is a universal human experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is no one escapes it. What yeah. is, what does Dave say? None of us are getting out of this alive. Oh yeah. Nobody makes it out alive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So shout oh, out yeah. to Dave Willens. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Alyssa's stepdad, but no one, no one's making it out alive and it's yeah. true. And so it's like, why can't we honor, like, like we honor birth or marriage or all these other rites of passage in life. Mm-hmm. Why can't we honor the, yeah. this, this, this thing that we're all, we are all going to go sure. there. And that, you see that played out. And I know that you and I, again, totally different podcast because you talk about this for hours, but like you even see it the way doctors handle death. Oh, you see the way that sure. hospitals handle death. You see the way mm-hmm. that, I mean, for instance, if you, if you want to get married, you can pick up the phone, you can have a wedding planner, yeah. you can have a floor, like all these people that will rush to your side to, to, to put together mm-hmm. this beautiful, amazing event for you. And I get it. A marriage is typically a very happy thing, yeah. right? Or we view it that way (laughs) (laughs) for some people, but, but for me, like, I remember there was a point when no one would tell me, and I know you know this, that my dad was dying. No one would fucking tell me. And I was beside myself because I, well, first of all, we couldn't get answers. Mm -hmm. And to your point, what you experienced, my father had cancer, um, and it was long and it was aggressive. So what he fought for like 18 months, I mm-hmm. think before he died. Um, and there were some good times where he, you know, looked really good and felt really good, but that was a blip in yeah. time in those 18 Short-lived. months. Uh-huh. And so he turned into this, like you were referring to your mother. I mean, he looked like I, that. So what haunted me for a long time after he passed was how, ravaged his body was mm-hmm. from the cancer and the treatments. Oh yeah. And he was swollen. He was so hard to see him mm-hmm. like that. Uh-huh. And I know it was hard for him to be like that. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me once, cause I said to someone, you need to call him. He would like to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what, I don't know what to say to him. So or something along the lines of like, I don't know what to say to someone who's dying. I said, he doesn't know either. He's never yeah. died before. Yeah. Right. And neither do I for the, for the, like, I've never sure. lost my father before. So I'm just like, I don't fucking know what to do either. Yeah. I just know that you, you, I guess for me, like you just show up for people. Yeah. Maybe you say the wrong thing, but it comes from love. Like my dad and I didn't have some big end of life conversation because he didn't want to, mm-hmm. like he would ref- even when we all, like, even when he was still, and he was losing his mental capacity because the cancer was taking over his brain. And it was very obvious because he was acting almost Alzheimer-esque. And it, that was very quick onset. Like mm-hmm. one day I was visiting and I mean, his body was ravaged, but his, he was still there, very there mentally. And we listened to music together that morning. We had coffee and like three hours later he fell and he, and he never came back mm-hmm. again mentally. And that's when he ended up in the hospital. And then he ended up dying a few weeks later. Um, but he started having this, these weird Alzheimer type things, which I could say that cause my grandma has Alzheimer's. So my mom and I were like, why is he acting like grandma? Right. <sighs> but it's because the cancer was taking over his brain. What was weird is how quickly it, it switched, oh, right? Yeah. Like it flipped real quick. And yeah. we were very, conf- we were both, we're still very confused. We never got answers on that, which I don't think they can really give us an answer, but they didn't even try to. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we never got, an- no one ever 
said, you're, you know, look, your father is dying. These Mm -hmm. are your options. They just kind of left you hanging. They left the patient hanging. Um, I have really have a bone to pick with our medical system and the way they handle death. Cause again, oh, you know, happy, joyous thing. There's a baby, it's birth. And I get that, you know, you want to celebrate these joyous things, but why are you not honoring these people Mm -hmm. that are dying? Cause someday that will be me or you or your father or whoever, right? Your mother, your sister. So you want, you want that to, to be the case. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, just these experiences and especially in the heat of the moment where it's just, it's so overwhelming and you're trying to manage this, this loss and it's like insurmountable, you know? Um, and, and again, that unknown, you know, that unknown of just thinking like, well, where do I go from here and how do I handle this? And especially for instance, like with our parents, like your mom and my stepdad, where they were caregivers. Yeah. And so these people were caregivers for years and day in and day out, everything was about, you know, stabilizing or just managing the situation, Mm -hmm. managing the pain, managing the loss. And, you know, I would, I would say I found myself with my mom just very quiet and I'm not a quiet person, but I felt like I didn't know what to say. And there was a point I remember I was standing in her bathroom and this is the last trip that I took there before I came back and she was in hospice and actively dying. And we went to dinner and she was almost like childlike and it was kind of weird Mm. and I felt annoyed and I was pissed because my work was calling me and something was wrong. You know, it's like, it, it really kept it, that experience, like with the whole work thing made me think of, oh my gosh, like I was so stressed about work, but I was really supposed to be like focused on my mom yeah. and she's telling me like really personal stuff. And I just remember we were standing in her bathroom and she said something to the effect of like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. And she was naked standing there crying, hugging me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't know what to say. No. And she was telling me just super personal things. And I just, I've never been so like emotionless because I almost felt like I couldn't share and I couldn't have emotion because I didn't know how to feel and I didn't know how to cope. And it was just so painful. And I just remember standing there, like hugging her, standing in her bathroom with her crying because like there, it was, there was no going back. There was nothing you could do. It was like complete surrender, you know? And, um, yeah. And so sometimes, yeah, there aren't words, but yeah, just to be there and to hug and to connect, you know, connection isn't always about words and it's, it's not about things. It's not about buying things or it's just knowing that like, maybe you're just not alone in this process and you know, you don't know what you need or how you need to be helped or, you know, but just knowing like, as you exit from this journey in this lifetime, having people that show up and just to say like, Hey, I love you Mm -hmm. and I care for you. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's significant, you know? Oh, it's so tough. Yeah. Yeah. But it is significant. And like you said, sometimes, I mean, there really are no words, but yeah. What do you say? I'm sorry. You're dying. Right. Right. That blows. Yeah. 
Well, and it's yeah. so, it's so personal too, when it's your mom, right? Because yeah. you're, like you said, first of all, no one's there to, which again, I really think we should have these people in our society to say like, to help you cope, to say, mm. to help you like kind of work through some of the emotions and, and because it's not, not only are you watching your mom, who is your whole life been the person who took care of you mm-hmm. and you're thinking about what your life looks like after you lose her. But yeah. then you're also thinking about like, I don't know, for me, when I, when I knew there was no turning back, like you always have hope, oh, always have you, hope until you, until can't, you can't anymore. Then you have to have like some reality check. Yeah. And that's all good. But I just remember when I knew my dad was dying and I was like, how the fuck am I going to do? Like, how am I going to do this? I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Like, how do you, oh, okay. That's, I'm going to go help my dad die now. Yeah. (laughs) Be back three days. Right. Like there's just, there's no guidebook. No one, no, even, I mean, hospice, God bless those nurses and those doctors and the nonprofits that we have that help us through this, but they're just, I mean, they're just going from house to house. They only have a certain amount of time they can spend with you. Yep. They're there to make sure the patient is comfortable, administer some meds, that type of thing. But I just remember thinking, I don't know how to do this. Absolutely. (laughs) I have no idea how to do this. And how do you keep moving in your life where everything is centered around this loss? Yeah. And you have to keep going. I mean, like you. Well, and to your point, then we also had work. Like we have work, work, life, kids. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a kid yet at that time, and um, but you know, with Jason's mom, um, you know, we had Regis, and he was very young, and she had glio. uh, Rhonda had glioblastoma. Yeah, I remember. And that was just excruciating. Yeah, it was the most devastating experience. I mean you know, someone just one day you go to work and then you end up in the hospital and that's it. And Mm -hmm. you can't go home. And Mm -hmm. it's so traumatic. I mean, you know, you think about, you have all these plans, like what's that saying? It's like, Oh, you have, I don't, something like life passes you by and you stop. No. Oh no, no. It's, um, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Yeah. 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 And so like, I almost feel like I have this hyper awareness that, not that I live in fear of dying, but I also have an awareness of like how fragile it yeah, is every if, day. If this is it, I mean, have I done the best that I could do? And mm-hmm. you know, if I go to work one day and that's it, or if, and especially with just the state of affairs in our country with like gun violence and the hate, it's like, if this is it, is that it, you know? Okay. Well, what does that even look like? And yeah. so I, you know, I do my best to like not get my head too far into it. Um, but also, you know, going through these processes, there's a part of me that almost feels some weird level of comfort, just knowing like the connection that I have with my mom over all these years. Cause my mom, this August will be 10 years that we've lost her, which seems like I mean, it seems like a lifetime has passed, but it also seems like a blink. I know. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the, that dichotomy is so weird that it's like, I feel like I haven't talked to you and seen you and hugged you in, oh my gosh, I don't even know how long, but then it feels like yesterday that I, I was know. like holding her. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, you know, when I was giving birth and I was, I, I had a home birth and I was delivering my child and it was a really hard labor and delivery. And I wasn't planning 
on delivering in the dining room, no. but originally... I don't think anyone is. No. Well, originally <laughs> I had thought, oh, we had this whole wall of our family. I remember, yeah. So we had all these pictures up of like all of our loved ones, and I thought, oh, this would be beautiful. And then I thought, you know what? We're not going to do it because we have a dining room table, <laughs> right? And so I labored and delivered in my bedroom. That was the plan. Well, anyway, after a day and a half of laboring, I walked to the other side of the house to try and, you know, like... Walk just, it out. Yeah, walk. And um, I delivered my son and Regis popped out under a picture of my mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have come out anywhere. And it was a picture of her under the frangy panty tree. And oh, she left her frangy panty. She did. Mm-hmm. She did. And, you know, and there have been so many times, I mean, even just with some songs like age of Aquarius mm-hmm. when they say, let the sun shine, like, and they have this part and let the sun shine in. And I can like, I was driving with my stepdad a few weeks ago and we were listening to it and I could just like feel her. Right. Oh my gosh. And it was, you know, it just makes your eyes pour out. And my mom would call it ocular urination. <laughs> <laughs> she had some of the funniest she things. did. And so you know, I mean, I, I have some comfort in the fact that when it's my time, I feel like if people are open to feeling my energy, then they will. And it's not that I'm just going to be gone forever. It's that, you know, you have to look for me and you have to be open to like accepting Mm -hmm. that I am present and I am there. And, you know, even with my dad, I've had experiences Um, and you know, his death was very sudden and it was 20 years ago and circumstances were different, but didn't make it any less painful. Right. No, certainly not. Yeah. But my mom, you know, she was a smotherer, so it's not surprising that she's still up in my business, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm, I'm so grateful for that. You know, it makes me feel like, you know, with the discomfort of dying, at least I know like my presence is, there's a capacity for that. Yeah. So you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Yeah. Mm. Oof. So yeah. how do you think that losing your parents, I mean, you lost both of your parents is a really mm-hmm. big deal. Pretty young, right? Yeah. Um, how do you think that has impacted the person that you are today? Oh man. Um, I am such a feeler. You know, I, um, I don't know. Like there's sometimes I play it off. Like I said earlier, like it's not a big deal because I don't, I don't like to make it a big deal and maybe it's to benefit the discomfort of other people or I don't like it to be this, uh, like deficit, like, Oh, poor me. Right. You know, I'm, I'm so lucky in my life because I have like really amazing step parents who, I, I am like their own blood, you know what I mean? So there's no difference in that. And so I feel like, um, you know, in comparison to other people who don't have that, I'm, I'm really lucky, but I would say like, it's, it's made me think about, um, just like loving people, like telling people Mm. how much you love them, like make it weird, make it uncomfortable, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and just knowing that like, this is just part of the cycle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, loss. So, I mean, yes, my parents, but 
all of my aunts and uncles and cousins, with the exception of um, two cousins and my mom's sister and her mm-hmm. husband have died and my brother, like blood relatives. Like I have, um, like I said, I'm really lucky to have, um, all of this extended blended family, but it's been a long time. I mean, I had friends in high school that died. I had a friend, this guy Tush, um, who was really cool. His name was Josh Mendelson and he lived in, uh, Solon, Ohio. Mm. And he was just like such a burst of energy. We were young. We were what, maybe 16. And, um, I knew him through youth group and we hung out all the time. And one day he was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh my gosh. And like, that was it. Horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And then like all my aunts died, my uncle, my cousins. Um, and so I just feel like it was this long process. I mean, just one of my closest girlfriends died right after college in Mm -hmm. a car accident. Um, you know, and then I don't know. So I, I do take life too seriously. I will say that. So I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, I'm so fancy free and this and that. Um, but I think that we have an opportunity to like make the life that we want. Mm -hmm. Like we can build this life. This is like our choice and how we choose to live and how we choose to treat people. And, you know, if I want to be victim and fall into this, like, Oh, I'm so sad, which look, grief looks different on everybody. I can completely appreciate that. Like some people have a much harder time crawling out of like a depressive state, um, after loss, like it impacts people differently. So it's no judgment. Yeah. You know, I'd say, um, yeah, just to be open and to be loving and to be caring. And, you know, there is like so much growth in that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and, and it's okay to be sad, you know, like I, I think, I think back to when I had, um, my son and, you know, I'm a one and done kind of gal here. I'm not having any more children, but part of why I can't do that is because the grief that I experience, and not just like postpartum, which was just horrible in itself, but like the grief of like birthing a child and having a baby that I could never introduce to my parents mm-hmm. was so painful for me. It, I, I never knew that I had that much grief to work through mm. until that. And, you know, it resulted in me being like really mean to like my closest people. Like I was super mean to my stepmom and my brother. And I think it's because like all I wanted was my mom. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's impossible. And so, you know, grief appears in really funny ways when we're least expecting it. Um, but I think like, it's, I don't know, it's required me to do the work. Like I've had to do the work to like figure out why I feel these certain things from loss and this fear and, um, and especially like having a child, it's like, you know, like I have a, I always, there's that fear of like, I don't, I don't want to end up dead at 54, like my dad or 61, like my mom. Like I want to see my kid grow up and have his life and meet my grandkids. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's so much to learn. 
about all of it. And I think openness is the biggest piece, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, I know. Yeah. It's so interesting that, I mean, it makes sense that a birth, your first child would be something that would kind of like crack you wide open. Right. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah like lift that yeah. light and like shine that light on it, on that dark space that you probably didn't want to look at for a while. Um, yeah, that so makes painful. a lot of sense, but what a, what a, a strange mix of emotions it must be right to be welcoming your child into the world and then to just probably be pissed off too about a lot of things. Oh, right. I mean, I was so sad Yeah, and I couldn't, I didn't figure out why I couldn't place it. And, That's interesting. You know, my stepmom was like so loving and mm-hmm. she'd like want to come over and bring me food and help me. And I just, I, part of me, I was like, you know, I'm so strong willed and I was like, Oh, I know how to do this. And then I had a kid and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was so embarrassed Mm. that I like, didn't know. It just, it was like, Oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing? Mm. You know? But then on top of it, it was like, I just wanted my mom. Yeah. Like that's all I wanted. Mm -hmm. And like, nobody could fill that. Nope. That's the thing is no one can. Yeah. And I was just, Yeah. And it came out like the way my body responded to it. I was just, I was like, no, don't come over. I don't want your food, you know? And she was so sweet and she still came over and she sat with me in this like super uncomfortable energy space that I had created. And, you know, and it was a really hard time, but she didn't give up. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, for many reasons and not having any more children, but <laughs> I mean, one, one reason, a big one for me was it was just so painful. Huh, like so I was so sad yeah. and I didn't even know until I was willing to like explore that sadness, like as he got older, Yeah. like why I responded that way. Yeah. Well, at least you, I mean, some people never explore, right? They plow through life, yeah. um, unhealthy coping mechanisms, um, again, we could talk about that for a really long time. Yeah, that's the next podcast. That's the next podcast. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. Right. Sure, but someone, someone once said to me, this wasn't that long ago, actually, um, that because I was like ruminating on, you know, death and grief and loss and like how I don't think it ever, like, I don't think because when I was younger or before you experienced such a deep loss, right. Yeah. Cause we've all like we've lost people before, of course, like you've grandparents and you feel, you feel grief, you feel sadness. It's different, but you feel it. Right. Um, so I was, I just had this whole very open, honest conversation with someone that was very, you know, open to that. And she said something along the lines of, um, like, you know, you're right. Grief is a lifelong thing, right? You're always going to miss that person. But she said, I think it's just, it's, it's all the love that you had for that person when they were alive mm. that you had and you could feel and you could talk about, and you could touch the person. And, and she was like, all of the time you spent together when they leave, that's, that turns into the grief because mm. you cannot, you no longer can have those current memories, but everything you ever had, it's still there. It's still contained within you. So that the way she put it was more eloquent than the way I'm putting it right now, but it made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, yes, yes. Thank you for putting that into words. Right. Because it doesn't just go away because the person is now gone. You still have all of this love and emotion and memories and pain of the loss and maybe they're suffering. Right. That's another piece of it all. So that was interesting to hear her put it in that way. Like grief is just your love. 
kind of reassigned, right? Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to not have that outlet, right? right? Like you can't kind of like what you're saying is there's this outlet on like that, such a specific connection with that person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and I take that stuff so seriously, you know, those are things like I might, sure. We all get mad at people or we get upset sure. or we do this or we do that. But really when it comes down to it, like I feel so strongly in my love for my circle. Mm-hmm. And I also feel because of that and because of those connections and that grief that we carry, that allows us to like reconnect. Like I'm very big into, um, there's this book, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross book that I read after my dad died and, you know, they put her to death, like medically and, you know, brought her back. But essentially there's this idea that like our souls reconnect into different lifetimes. So like I might be a different role than, um, like I might be my dad's sibling in my next lifetime or something. And I, I feel so strongly that that is true. And I'm going to see, and I'm going to like be with people because I think like sometimes you meet people and you're like, I have met you before. Oh my God, I yeah. know you like, there's something about that. There are these connections like mm-hmm. beyond this galaxy. Totally. That if you are open to like exploring that, you know, you'll kind of reap that benefit. Oh, for sure. Right. Know? Yeah. Of course. Believing in, that our souls go somewhere in multiple lives, that type of thing. Um, I will say that, did, is this something you wanted to read? Yeah. So there's this quote that really spoke to me a few weeks ago that my friend Eddie shared with uh-huh. me. And he said, the only people I would care to be with now are artists and people who have suffered. Those who know what beauty is and those who know what sorrow is, mm-hmm. nobody else interests me. And, you know, I thought about like the depth of my relationships and, you know, because sometimes we like, so get in our head about stuff, right? I mean, you and I are really good at that game, Mm -hmm. but, (laughs) but really, I mean, when you connect with people who have gone through this suffering and it doesn't, you know, it's not a competition of, Oh, my my parents said, Oh, this died. It's that like. Well, your it's human experience. experience. Right. Right. And you can see beyond just like right now. Mm-hmm. And there's this like big world out there because you've experienced that suffering, that there's more than what's right in front of you. Yeah. And you recognize the importance of loving people so strongly and telling people how much you love them and how much you care about them and knowing that like, I only know like this fragment of what there is to know. Yeah. And there's this great beyond and, and allowing myself to know that like brings me comfort mm-hmm. and it's not like, Oh, heaven or hell or this no. or that. Or, no. It's that like our energy, it's like, we're all matter, right? Like we're all, our cells are matter. Our yep. skin is matter. There's matter. There's air, you know, all of us are like so connected and just because we lose that person and we can't hug them doesn't mean we're not going to be in their presence again. Yeah. You know, sure. and it's so just in a different way. And it's yeah. again, because we don't, 
you know, spend a lot of time speaking about these things. I think we don't have time. Then we, we don't work through them. We don't get to, you know, like sit here and debate or philosophize on, on what it, what that could be because it's so like, hush, hush, hush. Like, well, this happened. Let's, let's just move on. Like, you know, yes. and if we, we spent more time talking about it, we might, I, I think it's help. I, I know it's helpful. It's yeah. not, it's not thinking. I know there's this term that years ago, um, two authors, Brene Brown and, uh, Glennon Doyle, they had, they had something like a workshop. It was a virtual workshop or something. This was before my dad even was sick. And, um, it was a many, many different parts, like maybe a five part workshop. And they're women that talk about lots of the hard stuff. Right. And so they're, they coined this term and it's called, or it's brutiful. So like brutal and beautiful put together. So brutiful. And that's really, that's really life in a nutshell. Yeah. Like it is so beautiful. And I mean, there are moments when I'm just in complete awe of just how beautiful this, this planet is, how beautiful my friends are, how beautiful my life is, how amazing it is. I've got to experience all these awesome things that I'm healthy, that my mom's healthy, all this stuff, right? Like all that's so beautiful. And then there's, then there's like the brutal part and the brutal part is the hard, all the hard shit, like we're, what we all experience. Like we have our own health challenges, you know, we have our own challenges when it comes to losing the people we love, like it's mm. just downright brutal. And so that term has always stuck with me, uh, because it's just couldn't be more true about the human experience. Sure. And then the other thing too is, um, like we were, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about just that experience of active dying and, and knowing that it's going to be happening and you have no idea what to do for the person you yeah. love, for yourself, for the caretakers. So that was my mom or your stepdad or whoever it is. It's just, it's just like, holy shit, like what is happening? And, yeah. and again, there's no, like, there's, there's not a death doula there to hold your hand yeah. and at least like tell you to like, to breathe through yeah. it or to, to, there's nothing, there's you, nothing. You just have to act like you're normal and everything. And you're just like, cool. I'm making plans for my wedding. No, Let's it, just keep going. no it's, I mean, I remember I left my dad Yeah. and I came back oh, for yeah. work. I remember. That. So my dad and my, my mom were in Ohio and I, where I'm from, but I've lived in Miami, Florida for, you know, 13 years now, 12 years. And I don't know, whatever the timing was. And I remember he was home in hospice. He was dying. I mean, he was actively dying. And I thought I needed, I needed to come back for work because we had a big meeting and I flew back for a few days and I went to this event and I went to the meeting. I did, I went through the motions, which how I did that is beyond me. Oh, right. Man. Yeah. And then when I went back, he never spoke, he never spoke again. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I don't think they serve us mm -hmm. at all. I guess I would say I, I do, I do regret that there. And look, we, I know we all need to work right? I'm not independently wealthy. I have to bring in a paycheck, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I think if we honor death more in the process of it, we wouldn't feel like, and I mean, or being, you know, within companies, like the bereavement policies most companies have is despicable. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Yes. I mean, I'm never going to have my father ever again. Yeah. Like it is bigger than a wedding to me. I mean, I'm a very non-traditional person. So I understand that that isn't how everyone feels, Sure, but like, there are plenty of people yeah. that get married multiple times throughout their life. Yeah. I mean, good for you. Go for it. You should, whatever. I don't care. Absolutely. That's great. But what I'm oh, saying yeah. is like, this was my one father. I left his side 
to go to a fucking work thing. Yeah. And look, again, I don't sit around and ruminate on it, but I do regret it. Sure. I do. Oh, and yeah. if I could tell anyone anything, it would be just let yourself have that time. Yeah. Maybe someone will fire you. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. Totally. Like the, clearly you, there's something yeah. better out there for you. I get it. Like I need, I need to work just as much as the next person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never go back in time and make yeah. that same decision ever, ever, ever again. Um, yeah. Ever. And that's okay. Like it's a decision I made and it's maybe I can just, it's just part of my story, but I do regret that. And I really truly don't regret a lot of things in life. And the other weird saying, because I remember the certain point in time when I was like, my dad is dying. Like, again, no one told me, but I think maybe the hospice people finally said something, but I mean, he's in hospice, so we can make, <laughs> we can make that yeah. assumption. They, they only give you palliative <laughs> right. care when you like really meet that threshold. Right. So mm-hmm. I remember just taking a moment by myself, like in my childhood bedroom and exhausted beyond belief because you're ex- just trying to stay awake yeah. to help this person, whatever. They're waking up all the time, super agitated. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, okay, how am I going to do this? Being terrified, terrified because there's no one there to help you through it. Like and my mom yeah. and I were there for each other, but also like you're, you're kind of just like parallel walking each other side by side mm-hmm. through it. But you're, but like, she's losing a husband. I'm losing a father. It's just, it's so, so many, so many mixtures. And I remember I kept saying this to myself, which is, this is so simple and silly, but I don't know. I said, it was like a mantra at the time. I was like, the only way out is through the only yeah. way out is through the only way out is through. And it's true. Cause it was like, I can't, I wanted to skip it. All I wanted to do is yeah. skip my, cause I knew I was losing my dad. Like yeah. it couldn't stop that from happening. Yeah. All I wanted to skip was his suffering at this point and having to be there to see, cause I wasn't leaving him. Yeah. It wasn't an option. I was leaving my mom. That's insane. And I was staying, but I kept saying like, the only way out is through the only way out is through because there's nothing else I could do. And there's, again, there's no rule book. There's no one to help you through it. There's no one that shows up and tells you how it's going to go or hold your hand or yeah. let and you sleep. Like, is so different. right. So it just, that was mm-hmm. a mantra I held close. The only way out is through. Well, um, Dave Willens would be very proud of you again <laughs> with my stepdad, because he is all about the, if you're going through hell, you keep going. Yeah. And that he has it on his fridge. Does he? It's his only magnet. It's only. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong statement. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. like, and I want I want us to wrap up this conversation because sure. we've been talking a while. And yeah. I do think there'll probably be a part two at some point. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, we could talk about death and dying all the time. We I could. Mean, we people could. should talk about it more. Take the, like, destigmatize it. That's it. Destigmatize it. And that's yeah. why this conversation is so important because... I mean, look, I don't know about like, do I want to sit around all day and only talk about death? No, I don't. (laughs) It's insane. But, but I, I just think like, and so the yoga teacher in me comes out at a lot of these, these moments where like, you know, yin and yang, it's just, that is just life. There is light and there is dark. And then there's a mixture of the two. There's everything in between, but there just, there is no light without dark and no dark without light. And I do think that I asked you earlier, like, how do you think the death of, you know, your parents impacted you or any, or anyone that you lost impacted you? And for me, and you know this, um, but like losing my dad made me push past fears. I probably would have never pushed back. Cause I yeah. was like, 
Now, and I won't get too graphic with people because I don't want people to get freaked out, but I mean, you see your parent die in your family room um, and you are like, well, shit. Uh, Okay. So if I can do this, if I'm strong enough to handle this, I can do anything, right? Anything. And then also too, in his memory, like... First of all, life is too damn short. And this time, I mean, we hear that all the time. I don't think we even like take it in, right? But I mean, my dad died two weeks after his 63rd birthday. Mm-hmm. And that's freaking young. I mean, I'm 39. Yeah. The bulk, if I died at his age, the bulk of my life is over now. Yeah. I mean, it's just the reality of it. And my dad loved his life. He lived every day like it was his last. He did. I, I, I do think that there was things he would have wanted to do different or better. Mm-hmm. And that again is for another time because when you lose someone and they left things in a way that there was lots of questions and lots of unanswered things. And that was, that was part of a lot of the grief too. Yeah. But that taught me a lesson of, Oh shit, life really is too short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if I can do this, I can do anything. And then also like, what am I fearful of failure? Okay, cool. Like, let me fail 5 million times over besides staying in a life and just being mediocre or not doing what I really feel called to do, which is why we're here today. The only reason we're sitting here, well, not the only reason, the big reason why we're sitting here today is because he died. And I was like, well, fuck this. And I started bloomers and I just, I just, I have never second guessed my decisions. I mean, nothing's been, you know, easy and rainbows and butterflies all the time, but I finally stopped being scared and just Mm -hmm. let myself do all the things I'd always wanted to do. And so that is a, I mean, that is a gift that his death gave me. And I think that's really awesome. Well, and when you have no choice, Mm -mm. I, you know, and I second that, I feel like whatever position I'm in in life, I'm going to come out on top. Totally. Yeah. And it's because we're survivors and yeah, you go through the shit. It's like, Oh my God, this sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. And then you look back a few years later and you're like, man, they would be so proud. So proud for sure. Like you used that opportunity and that sadness and that grief and you rocked your shit mm-hmm. and you were like, you know what? Life is short. Let's make this happen. I'm going to go and get anything I can dream of. And like, I also feel like, Death is a reminder that like, that's what life's about. Like we have all of this potential and capabilities Mm -hmm. and these capabilities. And part of the loss is recognizing within yourself, like you're saying that like, if you can get through that shit, (laughs) like there is nothing you can't get through. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So I want to end with a little quote and I, I always like to put quotes into things I do, like whether it's a workshop I'm leading or a podcast or even just a social media post quotes, I just think ground us and they, you know, help us feel a little bit more connected. But what's interesting is, you know, you, where do you find quotes nowadays? You Google stuff, right? Like quotes on death. It's what you do. <laughs> Unless something catches your eye, which plenty of times things do, but now, but now we have, now we have, right. But what was so interesting and I have, lots of different quotes that all, that all called to me and some more serious than others. But growing up at a certain point in my youth, Shel Silverstein was like, mm. I loved Shel Silverstein. Yeah, I had I all his books. Too. I mm. reread them. All. I still have them. My mm. mom saved them. And I don't have a, I didn't save a lot of things from being 
my childhood because what do we do with it, right? Same. I don't have kids. I don't want Care Bears and Barbies. Um, but anyways, I saved all my Shel Silverstein books and there was like this big chunk of my like youth where I just mm -hmm. read and read and read Shel Silverstein over and over and over again. Where the sidewalk ends. All of it, right? Yeah, so good. Um, so there was a quote from him and I thought this was was just really a nice way to sum up. I mean, being acknowledging that death is really hard, but also that death is part of life and there's all this happiness and sadness involved in all of it. So Shell Silverstein says, there are no happy endings. Endings are the saddest part. So just give me a happy middle and a very happy start. That's, that's sweet, perfect. right? Yep. Oh. So, and that's true, right? We had all these like beautiful, beautiful, happy middle parts and a yeah. happy start. And the end is freaking sad. It's yeah. just sad. Yeah. And you keep yeah. going. And you keep going. Well, well on, that, on note, that note, as I cry. Um, it's okay. It was so good. I thank so you all for joining us. I thank Alyssa for being here and that sharing an her honor. experience. Yes. Um, thank you for having me. Come back. Come back to this podcast. There'll be more conversations. Some will be way more happy and exciting. Some will be much more wellness focused. Um, but I thought today was a really important conversation to have. And I like to go deep. I don't like superficial conversations. So here we are. Yes. Um, raw, real, ready to heal. Come back. There'll definitely be episode two coming up soon. Um, featuring extraordinary people and unfiltered conversations. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.